Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The taste is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The taste is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George and Joe. George, how are you doing today? Doing great today, man. How are you guys doing? Joe, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. Excellent. So some of today's featured topics include... How were the Lakers able to pull out the win in Game 4 versus the Nuggets? What do the Celtics need to do to come back from down 3-1? And what was the biggest reason for the Dolphins' win versus the Jaguars on Thursday Thursday Night Football? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. We're going to jump right into the Lakers matchup versus the Denver Nuggets. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets played Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals. This game was as consistent as it could have been with the Lakers in front nearly the entire game and the Nuggets not far behind the entire time the Lakers were up. Late in the fourth quarter, Jamal Murray began to close this lead, but LeBron and company would close this game out to take the 3-1 series lead over the Denver Nuggets. So, George, how were the Lakers able to pull out the win in Game 4 versus the Nuggets? The Lakers were able to get this win with LeBron's defense on Jamal Murray at the end of the game. So he gets criticized a lot for not always playing defense, but he definitely stepped up in the crucial moment of this Nuggets game where they were building momentum. They got within one point and then LeBron James decided to go one-on-one with Murray. So Murray started cooking. He was making tough shots and LeBron was able to slow him down a bit in the end of that fourth quarter. The other reason they were able to come out on top was with the second chance buckets. The Lakers led this category 25 to 6. I also like how Frank Vogel is starting Dwight Howard and getting Jokic into foul trouble. Finally, Jokic needs to step up. He needs to do more to help out his partner, Jamal Murray. Murray's been doing all he can, especially late in these games in the fourth quarter, unlike Jokic. He's disappeared in these fourth quarters. So game two, he only had 12 points on four of six from the field and one of two from the three-point line and only had three free throws made out of four attempts. And in games three and four, Jokic had zero points. He was 0 for 5 from the field, only attempted one three-pointer and missed and had zero free throws. So. If the Nuggets want a chance to come back in this series and possibly, you know, stun the sports world again and come back from another 3-1, Jokic needs to step up. Him disappearing in the fourth quarters is not helping anyone. And I mean, I think part of it is he is in foul trouble early on. You know, he had five fouls in this game and Murray's putting the team on his back, but he needs help from his big man, Jokic. What are your thoughts, Joe? All right. So in game four, they definitely out-rebounded the Nuggets. Starting Dwight Howard really helped them out-rebound them. But I'm going to look ahead into game five for a little bit. In order for that for that Lakers team to win that game five, they have to keep out-rebounding the Nuggets and slow down Murray and Joe Kitch like they did in game four, LeBron James and company. If you limit Murray and Jokic, that will slow down that offense and force turnovers by slowing them down. Uh, that will also make them forced to pass to other players, and they have to make and those players have continue to have to make those plays consistently. But the Lakers' defense is just playing good right now. It's going to be hard for the for the Nuggets to keep doing that on a consistent basis, and I. I believe the Nuggets will win one more. I think they'll win game five. But they really need to do something about keeping the momentum on offense and keep going. It just can't be them too. That's how you. That's how they won today's game. They slowed them down. 
and they had to put the ball in other person people's hands and they couldn't get it done. Though if they if the ball goes into your hands, you need to can you need to get it done. Yeah, and some good points, Joe, and you know, some good points, George, as well. Um, I think that you guys just hit the nail on the head. George, you mentioned the offensive re- uh the offensive rebounds and the ability to get those second chance points off of it. You said twenty five points, right? For um second chance points. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, that those twenty five points came off of twelve offensive rebounds. So I mean, let's I mean, let's think about that. Every time they got an offensive rebound, they were at least getting two points out of it. They were averaging at least two points out of it. You know what I mean? So that's that's big time right there for you to be able to just convert those offensive rebounds into second chance points. And then the second thing, like uh, like you were saying as well, George, the Nuggets. So they kept this game close enough the entire game. And usually that's all they need to do because Jamal Murray has consistently been the closer for them. But it didn't happen today. And the reason for that is the GOAT, LeBron James. Murray was scoring consistently in the fourth quarter on Danny Green, playoff Rondo, and even the even who I personally believe was the snubbed defensive player of the year in Anthony Davis. With 627 left in the fourth quarter, Murray makes a shot to make it 97 to 94. At this point, LeBron says, enough is enough. I am guarding Murray, no switching, no excuses. And he puts the clamps on Murray. The rest of the game, Murray misses every shot he takes and commits a bad turnover that led to a Contavious Caldwell Pope three-pointer. That was the difference in this game because the game was dangerously close to moving in favor of the Nuggets at that point until LeBron decided to man up on Murray. Yeah, LeBron stepped up at a crucial time. Momentum was easily swinging. You know, the Nuggets were doing everything they could. You know, to me, I thought the game the game was almost going to slip away from the Lakers, but LeBron took the challenge, and that's what I like about Anthony Davis, and he brought that defensive mentality to this squad. You know, he challenged LeBron when he first got to LA, and he said, you know, if we're going to be good, you need to play defense. He called out LeBron, and not too many people can actually call out a player of his status, you know with the resume that LeBron has, but he took the challenge that Anthony Davis gave to him. And I think Frank Vogel's also doing a great job. He's another defensive minded coach and you know, the switches and things that he's able to do with this team, like starting Dwight Howard, who's been pestering Jokic has been great for this Lakers team. Now I'm going to ask you guys a quick question. Do you guys think that the nuggets will pull off the three one again? I believe they'll win this game five, but I need to see game five first before I could um, say if they'll continue winning. I think that if they win game five, they're playing, uh, the Lakers are playing a very dangerous game at that point because we know what this team is capable of. But uh, I firmly believe that the Lakers will close this game out in game five. And the key though to that is they got to come out with the same intensity and the same mindset that they came out with today. I agree. I want to see more from Anthony Davis. Like if you just look at his box score, you see 34 points, you know, and you think it's impressive, but I'm watching him and I'm not too impressed with him. He again, did not have a rebound in the first half. He only ended with five rebounds. And to me, rebounds is one of those things. It's a hustle play. It's a hustle stat. You know, it's who wants it more. And the fact that he's not able to come down with any rebounds in the first half again, to me, I mean, you got to want that ball. And you can't do. You can't play like that against the Nuggets because they will come back and show you not to sleep on them and to take them serious. And like in this game, they almost got away from them. They came within a point, but... They were able to hold on, but I want to see Anthony Davis be more aggressive on the rebound and the glass and get secure those rebounds. What are your thoughts on that, Drew? Yeah, I, I agree with you because uh, he just doesn't, you know, he, he hasn't seemed to me these past two games that he just hasn't really seemed to me. It, it seems like as if, you know, he had his game winning shot in game two and, you know, it's almost like he's been satisfied with just that. And the truth is, no, you got to 
you got to man up and you got to, you know, take this team, you got to take this Nuggets team down because this Nuggets team will not sit back and allow you to just, you know, walk all over them. They really won't. They will 100% take you down if you let them. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I want to see this Nuggets team game five, and if they win, continue winning. I want to see them play like a fire lit, a fire has been lit under their ass. They need to get out there and get going quick. Yeah, I, I predicted this was going to go five, but if the Nuggets have any chance of winning the next game and making this, you know, a better series and scaring them because they've already come back 3-1 twice, it's going to be Jokic. He's got to come up big in the fourth quarter. Like I said, he's been nowhere to be found in these fourth quarters. So Jamal Murray, he's doing his thing. He's balling. He's making shots I can't believe are going in. And, you know, the fan of me is loving it. But at the same time, you know, I'm just wondering, like, how does that shot go in? And he did have an and one that wasn't counted. I thought it should have been counted as an and one. But he's been balling. But Jamal Murray is definitely, or not Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic is going to be the X factor for these next games. And can he show up to help out his partner? Yeah. To an earlier point that you said too, George, you mentioned how LeBron James uh, has been challenged defensively or to play better defensively. I don't necessarily agree that, you know, he, that's the reason why he's playing better defense. Let's be fair here. He has consistently played good defense when it counted, but he hasn't played good defense in those, you know, regular season games that don't mean as much because he doesn't need to waste his energy every time on the defensive end when it's an offensive minded game to begin with. Let's be real here. NBA is much more offensive minded than defensive minded. Yes, defense is important, which is why he plays defense when it counts, but he need, they need him more on the offensive end, which is why he puts more effort into the offensive end every night as opposed to the defensive end. Yeah, but we've seen him all season long, and ever since Anthony Davis shown up, he has been playing defense even in the regular season. Um, that's how they were able to be one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. And, you know, if you do it in the regular season, you do it in the, in the playoffs. You know, you practice good habits and then when it's time, you know, to perform on the highest level, then you're able to do it. And I like that Anthony Davis was able to do that, not just for LeBron, but if you see LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, playing defense every play in the regular season, you know, and you're one of the role players, you're going to step up your game too, because if the best two players on the team are doing it, you're going to do it. 100%. That's, I mean, that's exactly why the Cavaliers were able to come back from down 3-1 versus the Warriors is because they seen LeBron fighting so hard on the offensive end and defensive end. And so that's why, you know, that's exactly the motivation that those Cavaliers players needed for that comeback to actually happen. And, you know, we're seeing it from, we're seeing it from LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, not so much Anthony Davis these past couple games, which is why you know it's a, it, which is why that you brought that up, and which is why we agreed that it's good that he, not that it's good, but he needs to step his game up, and I I fully I fully believe he will. But to go back to the point about LeBron, uh, he's always he's always done this, you know, when the big games. Anytime there was a big game, for example, in the third game versus the Clippers, obviously, you know. The Lakers needed that for their for their psyche entering any sort of postseason game that they would play versus the Lakers or anyone. And we saw that in that regular season game that the Lakers played versus the Clippers, that third game that they played versus each other. LeBron put the clamps on both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George at the end of the game to seal the deal for the win. So like I said, when it matters, he definitely can and will step up defensively for his team. Keeping it in the NBA, the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat played Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals, where Tyler Hero just erupted for 37 points, and Jimmy Butler, as always, closed out the win for the Miami Heat. Now the Celtics face an elimination game in Game 5 and will need to win three straight games to keep their playoff hopes alive. So, George, what do the Celtics have to do to come back from being down 3-1? to one? 
the Celtics need to get Jason Tatum involved earlier. So he had all of his 28 points in the second half of the game, which to me shows me two things. You know, it shows me, okay, you're good enough to go get 28 and a half, but why weren't you able to get it in the first half or score some points in the first half? So he's their best player on the team. He needs to get it going on early. And that's to me going to be the difference maker. Your best player has to be the best and not just in a quarter, not just in a half, but for the entire game. And he's got to be able to take over if they want to have a chance. I'm not going to say they're definitely out yet, but if they want a chance, he's got to step up all four quarters, not just two of the quarters. What are your thoughts, Joe? All right. In in order for the Celtics to make a comeback, they need to take a no out of the Nuggets uh, past two series. Um, play someone like they lit a fire under your ass. Like I said in the past podcast, they need to slow down that offense. You can't go toe to toe with them. You have to beat the def- you have to beat the offense with defense. Once they get okay, and if they get tired, the heavy defense that will- on offense, it's time score to score. And Tatum, like George said, scored all of his twenty eight points in the second half. And to me, that's kind of embarrassing. You're the star of the team. And the leader, you got to lead by example. Honestly, to me, he's the reason why they lost the game because he was lacking on offense and he didn't get started early. Yeah, so um, I kind of worded it differently, but I I pretty much basically said that Jason Tatum needs to just dominate on both ends of the court. This team is better when he runs the show, and everyone needs to understand that. We're talking about a guy who, during the last 15 games of the season, before it got canceled due to the virus, he averaged uh, 29.5 points per game on 61.8% shooting, including 46.6% from three. We haven't seen that since the bubble has started, and he needs to return to that dominant player in order for them to complete this comeback. He just needs to, he just needs to dominate on both ends, both defensively and just a man for the ball, you know, like a real superstar does when it's, when his team is in need of him. So in my opinion, that's what Jason Tatum needs to do. They also need to stop turning the ball over so much during the regular season. They were the sixth best team in turnovers and they got to understand that turnovers are even more significant in these close games. They keep having with the heat. So my personal take is, Jason Tatum needs to dominate on both ends and they need to stop turning the ball over so much. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah, to go along with your turnovers, that's been a big issue for them is closing these games. They've led the majority of these games against the Heat, but the Heat have been able to come back and take the win from them. So they've been playing with leads and losing them. So to me, that's going to be another key is they show that they can outscore them for three quarters. But in that fourth quarter, they lose control of the game and the Heat come in and swoop up the dub. So if they want a chance to win, they got to clean up those turnovers. Jason Tatum has to get involved early and they got to close. They can't just let these wins get away from them because they've been leading the majority of these games. Yeah, and this Heat team, we we all know what they represent. They represent some strong defense with some good ball movement on offense. And they are consistently able to use their defense to contribute to their offense. You know, these fast break points, the buckets in transition, just all that, all that stuff. And when you take into account that the turnovers are that crucial and you take into account that the Celtics have had more turnovers than regular versus this heat team, it's a recipe for disaster for the Celtics team. And in my opinion, the defense has been what is the difference with this game. Both teams are great offensively. That's no surprise. But I believe that the Heat have been much more, maybe not much more dominant, but they've been more dominant for sure on the defensive end. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah, all good points. And I just want to touch up on 
your X factor you had going into this series, which is Tyler Hero. My God, can that guy just play basketball? He is a bona fide baller. In this last game, he had 37 points, six rebounds, three assists, but was five of 10 from the three point line and 14 of 21 from the field goal. Like this guy is balling and he is showing to be a great player. Drew, what are your thoughts on him? I know you had him as your X factor. Do you like what you're seeing from him so far? I mean, how do you not like what you're seeing from him so far? You know what I mean? I mean, this guy is, you know, even before before this series, you know, I told myself that this player is going to be the X factor, but I didn't think that he would shine the way that he has you know i was expecting i was expecting him to play well i wasn't expecting him to play this well it seems like every series they walk into he elevates his game more and more and i'm starting to see just a lot of jimmy butler just rubbing off on him and goran dragic rubbing off on him it seems like he is just the kind of perfect average between them two and we are really starting to notice that especially you know in this recent game four of the eastern conference finals yeah so what i like that i'm seeing from tyler hero is you know he's showing he's more than just a shooter he's getting these buckets in different types of ways he's not just you know a catch and shoot shooter but to go off to your point that you were saying that he's just elevating his game you know, series after series, game after game. This shows a lot to his mentality. And here's a little something that I read on ESPN. So it says, Tyler Hero should still be in college. He's not, but is still a student. He carries a red spiral bound notebook with him at all times, jotting down notes when things pop into his head, what worked, what didn't, where he thinks he can get better and how he's feeling after a game. It helps him. And then this is what Tyler Hero said about it. It helps me get locked in, helps me focus. So this shows me a kid that's hungry, wants to learn, is never satisfied even after a good game, still not satisfied, is still looking for the flaws in his game that he can improve on. So this guy, he's going to be great for a long time, especially if he has this mentality and with Jimmy Butler right next to him. Joe, what are your thoughts on Tyler Hero so far? Yeah, I only seen a little bit from him. But the only thing that I'm thinking I'm thinking about is can he do this without another star by him, like Jimmy Butler? Can he do this without Jimmy Butler? That's the thing I'm thinking about and I say Maybe he can, but well, if if Jimmy Butler decides to go somewhere else further down the line, we'll see that. But we'll talk about right now. As of right now, he's blowing out. He's blowing my expectations. Drew. Yeah, to your point, George. You know, you said that he walks around with this notebook. He records everything that he writes down in this notebook and just learns. You just that's what it is. He just learns. And that's why people say, you know, knowledge is power. They say knowledge is power, even in athletics. Knowledge can be used. It's important to know exactly what you need to know in order to be successful, even in athletics. So knowledge is power. And he is gaining a lot of knowledge with each game that passes by. What do you think, George? Yeah, just to touch up on Joe's point, you know, every young player needs a solid vet. And Jimmy Butler is that vet form. He's been around the league for a while, bounced around a few teams. And he knows what he sees in Tyler Hero. And not just him, but this entire team, the culture of the Miami Heat. And he's put Tyler Hero under his wing. And he is showing him the ropes. And this goes more than, you know, I, I still believe that he'd be able to ball without Jimmy Butler there. Um, just because of this whole thing thing that where he brings a notebook with him and is jotting down notes about his game all the time this shows that he's got that hunger he wants it never satisfied and you know that doesn't change with a solid player around him or not he that's just who he is obviously jimmy butler helps elevate his game but man what a series and 
the Celtics are in for a rough one if they want to have a chance to come back in this series. Yeah, and let's talk about this kind of this sibling relationship in a way between Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. Let's let's be real here. If you're Tyler Hero and you have the mentality that Tyler Hero has, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better mentor and a better older brother, quote quote, in a sense, than Jimmy Butler. You really couldn't. What do you think, George? I agree. Jimmy Butler has taken this guy, and even after this game, this 37-point game, I saw a video of Jimmy Butler went to practice with Tyler Hero's high school jersey on. So, you know, he's having fun. He's showing Tyler Hero the ropes. He's giving him all the confidence in the world, and he's very supportive. And Jimmy Butler, he's not one of those guys where he needs to be the one scoring 37 in a game he is perfectly fine letting tyler hero score 37 and then maybe the next game it's you know robinson or Drogic, and then maybe in the fifth game you see jimmy butler go for 30 you know jimmy butler's that type of guy all he cares about is winning doesn't care how he wins he could have 10 points and win the game and he's happy he's not one of those guys where you know he scores 10 points wins and is unhappy because he didn't get 30 points you know, numbers are nice, but wins is what matters. And they're on a mission for a championship. And the way it's looking right now, they're definitely making the finals. And they're going to be a scary team because they don't like to lose. And it's shown in these playoffs. They have not lost often. So I love this big brother, little brother relationship he built with Tyler Hero. And moving forward, I think it's going to be great for them to see. What are your thoughts, Joe? So... George, you just said that you think that the Heat is going to make the finals. The Lakers a pull out. If the Lakers pull out the win on Game Five, do you do you think this will be a tough matchup for the Lakers? Definitely not a team they should sleep on, because you know Jimmy Butler is big time, and these Miami Heat—they're proving that they belong here, you know, but. Do I think the series will go six, seven games? Probably not. I think it'd probably be more on the five just because I, I don't see them having an answer for Anthony Davis or LeBron either, you know? So I think the their biggest upside would be three-pointers because they shoot a lot and they have basically everyone on the team can shoot the three-pointer. So that's going to be the thing is, can they shoot it consistently compared to the Lakers? Because we see the Lakers go up and down with their three-point percentage. So that would be my biggest factor, just quickly looking ahead if that was the matchup, mm-hmm. would be three points. But again, who's going to match up against Anthony Davis and LeBron? That's my biggest question and why I would still pick the Lakers in that series. Okay. But it'd be a tough tough fight for sure. Yeah. Drew? Ready? Uh, yeah, to touch off that, I think it would be, in my personal opinion, I think it would be just as tough of a matchup as the Denver Nuggets are showing, if not tougher. Because let's be real here, the Lakers, you know, they have this three to one series lead, but it's not like it's not like these games haven't been close. You know what I mean? These games have all been nail biters if you're a fan of either team. So I think that the Heat could do exactly what the Nuggets are doing, maybe even a better job than what the Nuggets are doing, but we'll just have to wait and see. It seems we're, you know, I don't want to say something and then it doesn't come to fruition, but it seems like Miami is in full control to represent the East in the finals. So we'll talk about that matchup when it actually comes. Yes, we will. Moving on to the NFL, the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars played on Thursday night football. The Dolphins came out hot, commanding a 21-7 lead at halftime. They would not let up in the second half as the game ended with the score being 31-13. to So, Joe, we'll start with you on this one. What was the biggest reason for the Dolphins' win versus the Jaguars on Thursday night football? From what I saw, the Jaguars just played horrible football tonight. Yes, there there are two costly PIs, but that doesn't justify their play. 
but it just can't fall on the player's shoulders. The head coach has to take some of responsibilities for their loss. He made terrible uh, play play calls on offense and defense, and it showed uh, the score of thirty-one to thirteen. The Dolphins uh, des- deserves this win, even though I even though I chose the Jaguars to win. So they proved me wrong, which was good for them. They they have my respect now. Yeah, so to touch up on Joe, so this this was a tough one because I like how Minshew plays. I like the Jaguars. I like some of their players. They they got good pieces there. And to me, it, it comes down to play calling. They're really blowing it, and it seems like you know, they're, they're not giving Minshew the best opportunity to succeed, which is tough because he is a good quarterback. You know, he's a six-round pick, but he's solid. And, you know, he was definitely missing his receiver, DJ Chark, out there. But the beard and Fitzmagic came out to play. He had three touchdowns, led the Dolphins to the 31-13 to victory, and became the first NFL quarterback to get six wins over the same opponent, with six different teams. So Fitzpatrick came out hot. He completed his first 12 passes. They were uh, they also scored touchdowns on their first three drives, which was the first time since 2011 for the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick played good, and he's usually going to have a few of these games, and that's how he earned the Fitzmagic name. He was 18 for 20 on his throws. One of the disappointing things I did see from the Jags in that first quarter was when Grant caught the ball and the Jaguars defender was clapping at the untouched Grant, who then gets up and runs for extra yards. That was just one of those plays that I saw. I was like, you know, like, what are you doing, you know? But Minshew, like I said, was missing DJ Chark out there. One of their bright spots for me was seeing how good James Robinson has been playing lately in these last few games. He had 11 attempts for 46 yards and two touchdowns, six receptions for 83 yards, and he's been a bright side for me on this Jaguars offense. Drew, what are your thoughts so far on this game? It's quite obvious that the reason for the win is due to the Lack of defense by the Jaguars. Now, Joe, you make a great point. This was overall just a bad football game by the Jaguars. But the biggest reason is that defense. Listen, we know what Fitzpatrick does every season. Some games he comes out looking like an MVP quarterback, while other games you wonder how he even has a job and has had a job for this long. Today was just one of those games when he looked like an MVP against a defense that has been abysmal this year. He completed 12 of 12 of his passes to start the game, the most that he's ever started in his career. He even gained first downs multiple times using his legs as well. The Dolphins have not scored in their first three possessions of a game since 2011, and they did that today. The Jaguars defense just didn't come out today. There were times where I saw Jaguars defensive backs playing five yards off the receivers on third and short, which is extremely disappointing as a Jaguars fan. George, you mentioned the cornerback that uh, on uh, what was his name? Grant. Yeah, his name was Grant. So you mentioned you mentioned the cornerback that clapped when Grant caught the ball and felt that was C.J. Henderson and. That was our CJ Henderson, our first round pick. And the reason why he was actually clapping was because he believed that the the receiver had actually dropped the ball, which if you look closely, you could have very easily thought that the ball had been dropped based off of, you know, how fast the play was. You could have very easily thought the ball has been dropped. But I do agree that he does, because there is no whistle blown, he does need to understand that the play is still going. And this is just a rookie move, to be fair, all right? He's actually been playing really good in his first two starts, but it was today was a bad day at the office for him. Overall, the Dolphins' offense was just better in every way than the Jaguars' defense, and the offense was and the Jaguars' offense was yet an, in another hole to pull the Jaguars out of. They're not going to win if they keep going down fourteen to zero to start games. The defense was the problem this game. I can only be hopeful that it gets better soon. 
Yeah, to touch up on your your point of Fitzpatrick running the ball, he did not look 37 running those those uh, plays. So I don't know how he was able to get those running yards, but he was able to do it. Joe, what are your thoughts? Uh, he, he just he looked like a grown man playing football. He, he you could tell he, his age was there, but. He's just uh, fought through it. It's like a turkey bowl match. The QB has to run it, and he ran it. <laughs> yeah, and again, you know, I want to reiterate that Fitzpatrick does this every season. You know, where he has these he has these games where he just comes out and he looks like an MVP playing quarterback, and you wonder, you, you know, you wonder why can't he do that in a regular basis? You know what I mean? What do you think, George? Why do you think he can't do this on a regular basis? Uh, I think because people, well, the teams are starting to get more film on him doing this, like this fits magic type of gameplay. And once they get that film, they could stop it. Like when he was on the Bucks, the the, the name came Fitz Magic, and he had those great games. And all of a sudden, he just went downhill because they started getting more film, more film, and then. Then I think the Bucks were like kind of like done with it, and then they started Jameis Winston for the season. I think I, I can't recall. If someone could fact check that, then they could do that. Yeah. So I, I mean, this is just who Fitzpatrick is, and we've known this, and we talked about this, Drew, and you know, like you said, he's due for a few of these games throughout the season. And then there's going to be other seasons where you do question, like how is he a starting quarterback? And that's why he has the role that he has, which is a veteran backup. And the reason he's starting right now is because the dolphins drafted Tua. Tua's got those health concerns. So they'd rather take it slow with a player like Tua and let Fitzmagic start the season. But yeah, I mean, this is just who he is. He's going to have those games where he, you know, upsets the Patriots in the very last game of the season. And then he's going to have other games where he blows it. And that's just who he is. And that's really what it is. He's going to have these games where he plays well. He's going to have other games where he doesn't. And I think part of the reason he did play well in this game was there was a little bit of hype. The beard versus the mustache. And... You know, we we've seen Fitzpatrick. He he likes to be hyped up a little bit, a little motivates him. You know, we saw when he was with the Buccaneers when he put on Deshaun Jackson's, you know, outfit and his chain on. You know, he, he likes that. He likes to have fun. He's a fun player. I don't think he's one of those guys that takes it super serious because he he knows at the end of the day, he he's not a solid QB one. He's a backup, you know, and the reason he's starting is because they drafted a young quarterback with health concerns so right now he's just out there having fun and I think part of the reason he did play well today in the Thursday night football game was the hype of the beard versus the mustache what are your thoughts Drew I just still that I mean to me that doesn't explain why he can't be at least at least a good quarterback every game you you have these you have these games where he's like we like we talked about. You have these games where he's an MVP quarterback, and then you have these other games where it's like, what in the what? How does how does Kaepernick not have a job and this guy has a job? You know what I mean? And it, it for me, it's like you, it's completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And so it's like, how can you not at least if you're not an MVP quarterback, how can you not at least be like an average quarterback? You know what I mean? It, it boggles my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, the, the Kaepernick, that's a whole different discussion right there. But he's just not consistent. That's just not someone he's ever been. And, you know, maybe he gets a good night rest and he plays well. Maybe he gets a bad night rest, doesn't play well. We, we don't know. We just know he's good some days, good some and bad some days. And that's just who he is. And that's why he hasn't been able to be a consistent starter long term anywhere is because he can't put together these type of games all the time. He's a better backup. And if your QB goes down, you hope he can maybe win you a few games while your quarterback is healing and is able to come back. But he's not going to be your long-term solution. Or in this case, you know, he starts while the rookie learns the game, gets himself healthy if he's not 100%. 
And that that's just who he is. Moving forward, in my opinion, everybody is entitled to a bad game here and there, even even the great Tom Brady. What are you guys' thoughts moving forward on what how Minshew will respond to this? Uh, it's going to be tough, but there's something needs to happen in that QB room with the coaches, whatever it needs to happen. Something needs to happen that to actually get Minshew the right play calls to make the right plays. And it's not just all on Minshew. That defense needs to step up. That defense was lackluster. Yeah, so moving forward, I'm not too worried about how Minshew will respond because I've seen him do this where maybe he does have one bad game and then he responds pretty well. He's he's a good quarterback and you know he gets slept on a lot. And in that earlier podcast where we talked about who we thought the most underrated QBs going into the season where you did bring up Minshew. And I can't recall every stat that I gave for him in that podcast, but you know, he's up there with the Russell Wilson's and Deshaun Watson's of the world when it comes to pass accuracy and deep throw deep throws. And he was one of the best when it did come to deep throws. And like I said, he was missing DJ Chark. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to coaching and management for this team. You know, they they're finding every reason for him not to be the man. And I think that's because he is a six round pick versus if he was a first round pick, he would have the opposite side of that. And they would look for every excuse on why he would be the man. And, you know, I would like to see them surround him with better pieces to see what he can do. Cause we've seen him play well. What are your thoughts, Drew? Well, I mean, they, he didn't necessarily, in my opinion, he didn't necessarily play bad in the beginning of the game. We saw that James Robinson obviously, you know, did his thing. And Minshew was a big part of that because Robinson didn't really get a lot of uh, a lot of yards on the ground. A lot of his yards were through the air, through you know, through Minshew throwing him some balls, and he that was where a lot of his total yards came from. And Minshew had a couple throws to Chris Conley, and both throws were key throws, throws that would have resulted in first downs, and he didn't catch them. They they were both drops both of them one of them was like a deep throw and conley just drops it the other one was a throw right it was about like i want to say it was like a seven yard pass but it was right between the numbers and conley just drops it and then there's the offensive pass interference call on him towards the end of the game and the jaguars were the jaguars were driving at that point too i i remember actually even saying to you guys in our group chat i was saying they need to they need to score some points in this drive if they want to keep their hopes alive for winning this game and that was that pi that offensive pi call was just super crucial in deciding that drive because we had a third and three and the jaguars could have converted on that third and three had had chris conley not been called for the offensive pass interference Instead, of course, you go third and 13, and then they didn't convert, and eventually it became the ballgame. So in my opinion, I didn't think he played badly in the beginning of the game, for sure. I just think that you know when you consider that, then his left tackle gets ejected from the game. So a lot of, a lot of people were talking about the offensive line and how it didn't really perform this game, and... That might be that might have been a factor. Him losing his left tackle, of course, that's only one piece of your entire offensive line. But hey, it's a big piece. It's your left tackle. That's your blind spot. So, in my opinion, a lot of factors went into this game, which is why I can't, which is why I can't say that Minshew had like had a terrible game, and it was the reason why they lost. I can't say that. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, basically what you said is it can't all re- rely on Minshew. He did he did start out pretty good, and then the, the um, like you said, the left tackle got ejected, which I think he shouldn't have gotten ejected. 
uh, he, he, he there's arms all around him. He was trying to get up. He didn't want to continue laying there while the refs were just standing over him. So he moved their arms so he could get up. And obviously the refs took it a different direction by ejecting him, which is kind of, yeah, well, I'm not going to say too much about that. But like, like you said, Minshew did play good. Yeah, at least in the beginning he played good. What do you think, George? Yeah, he played well in the beginning, but you know, in the entirety of the game he didn't. And it's going to be hard to put together a good, great, a good game when you have injuries, when you have you know some of these calls come out, and you know things just don't go your way. It was on a short week; that's no excuse. But injuries definitely play a part. Ejections definitely play a part, and you know he he shows that he can be good. Like I said, I just want to see him get those pieces around him, get his line healthy, get DJ Chark out there so we can really see what he can do. Yeah, bottom line, I'm going to end it with basically what Joe said to start. It was it was a poor game overall by the Jaguars, in my opinion. But I'm hopeful that the defense will get better, and I'm and we know we know what Minshew's capable of. Their next matchup is versus the Bengals, so I'm hoping for a bounce-back game there. We'll just have to see. Yeah. All right. Now it is time for our weekly pick'em with Joe. Joe, are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. There's going to be some teams in there you don't think I'm going to pick, but I picked. (laughs) All right. So let's see. All right, Bear. Uh, All right, Joe. (laughs) We're going to get started with the Chicago Bears versus the Atlanta Falcons. Who do you have, Joe? All right. So I have the Falcons winning that one. Uh, The offense is playing good, but that defense needs to step up for the Falcons. Mm. All right. We got the Los Angeles Rams now versus the Buffalo Bills. What are your thoughts on that one, Joe? All right. I have... The Bills winning this one. This is going to be a tough one, but the Bills will edge it out with a close dub. All right. I'm sure George likes that. So the next matchup we have here is the Washington football team taking on the Cleveland Browns. Who do you got, Joe? I got the good old Brownies winning this. The offense is starting to look pretty good, and I hope it continues to look pretty good. All right, next matchup, we have the Vikings, who are 0-2, taking on the Tennessee Titans, who are 2-0. What are your thoughts, Joe? I have the Titans winning this. The Titans, um, yeah, they're, they're going to win it. The Vikings are playing ugly football right now, and it will continue for week three. Next matchup, we have an interesting one, Joe, for you. The Las Vegas Raiders taking on the New England Patriots. Who you got? All right, so you guys know who I want to pick on this one, the Raiders. It's because I'm a biased, I'm a biased person with them. So, and just look forward that I want to pick them every week. All right, next matchup we have the San Francisco 49ers who have been injury riddled versus the New York Giants. Who you got, Joe? So, this one is probably going to be an upset. The Giants are going to win this. It's 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 a hard pick, but I just got word that um, Mullins is starting, so that should be a pretty good for the Giants' defense. All right, and then we have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Joe, who you got for this one? Two zero and two teams. <laughs> I think the Eagles are going to win this one. The Bengals have a pretty bad offense, and I think the Eagles will capitalize on that. Interesting. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Next, we have the Houston Texans versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who you got, Joe? The Steelers are going to win this one. It's a great match for them. Interesting. Next matchup, we have the Indianapolis Colts taking on the New York Jets. Who you got? I got the Colts winning. They're they're, they're playing some really good football right now, and the Jets can't uh, handle it. All right. Next, we have the Carolina Panthers taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Who you got, Joe? I got the Chargers winning because Josh Herbert got a confirmed start over uh, Tyrod Taylor because of his long puncture. Mm. All right. Next, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against the Denver Broncos. Who you got, Joe? 
Uh, the Broncos are going to win this one. The defense is an eat up Jeff Driscoll. All right. Next, we have the Detroit Lions taking on the Arizona Cardinals in a rematch of the first game of their regular seasons last year. Who you got, Joe? I got the Cardinals winning. They're playing some. Uh, they're playing way better football on both sides. Both sides of the ball. Interesting. Last time they played, they tied versus each other. So it'll be interesting to see who wins this one. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Who you got, Joe? So this one was kind of hard for me because they're both coming up on some pretty good wins. But I have the Seahawks winning this. They're uh, they're playing good football, and they also really have a really uh, hot hand in the QB. All right. And then we got the Sunday night football matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. Who you got, Joe? The Packers are going to win this one. The Saints are still without Michael Thomas. Um, The Packers are going to win this one, sure. All right. And then finally, we have the on Monday Night Football, we have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens. All right, so this one was tough for me to decide. I was literally going back and forth with it for about 30 minutes, trying to look up some stats and stuff. But I'm going to say it's going to be a really high-scoring game, but I think the Ravens are going to edge this one out. They're going to look at that Chargers tape and see how good they did. They just have to stop the Chiefs from coming back in the in the later quarters. Oh, interesting, Joe. Well. That's all the time that we have today, everybody, for Joe's Weekly Pick'em. And that's all the time that we have for Highly Contested here. Thank you for joining us here. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one.